Uh, we, last weekend, began a new message series where week after week we are now journeying through the book of Jonah. And today we land in chapter 2. And to begin, I want to pose a significant question to us, a, a personal question to all of us. And that question is, have you ever found yourself at rock bottom? Or maybe, maybe you thought you were at rock bottom and then the bottom fell out and you sunk even deeper. I don't know what that might have looked like for you or maybe somebody that you care about. Maybe, maybe your rock bottom was the, the loss of a, of a job that was really good, totally unexpected. Maybe your rock bottom was finding out that you know, you're a student and you, and you didn't make the cut for the tryouts and it just seems like life has crushed you. Or maybe it, it was losing your home to foreclosure. Or maybe it was finding out that your spouse was cheating on you. Or maybe it was a miscarriage. Or maybe it was the betrayal of a very close friend. Or maybe it was a combination of things that all happened at once, big or small, but your world came crumbling down and you felt like you had hit an all-time low. Your own rock bottom. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, we had a guest sharing with our staff, and we'll call him Jimmy. Jimmy was sharing his story with us. Uh, after his parents' divorce, his life started to kind of spiral out of control. In his young adult days, uh, he was quickly addicted to alcohol and later drugs. He was able to hold it together enough and started a restaurant of his own. And, and actually, it was very successful. The only thing was that the success of that restaurant really just enabled his addiction. Until eventually, he found himself outside of a bar and getting hit over the face with a brick, breaking his jaw in multiple places. And for a year, he lived on morphine and opiate drugs, and that began his love affair with opiates. He, he eventually would overdose two times very close to death. And these were his words as he shared with us. He said, I destroyed everything, and I was completely hopeless. Rock bottom. And actually, it's in the story of Jonah, chapter 2, that this is the very same place that we find Jonah. Hitting his own low of lows. And so this weekend, we want to look at uh, what he did, how he responded when he hit rock bottom. Because that's the question that all of us have to ask ourselves. How have we responded? How would we respond? How will we, we respond when we hit our own rock bottom? And fortunately for us, we have a record of what happened in Jonah's life. And it's found in Jonah uh, chapter 2. And if you want to follow along, if you're using one of our chapel Bibles, it's on page 742. Or if you want to open your chapel app, um, I just want to read it for us. And uh, lean into Jonah's prayer of surrender. All right? Jonah chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Just listen to it. It says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. So we, we, we know the story. Uh, last weekend we learned that Jonah had, 
you know, he had run from God. God had called him to go and preach to the Ninevites. And he goes the opposite direction. And man, we've been there, haven't we? Knowing that God wants you to do something, but just trying to run it. The truth of the matter is we can run, but we cannot hide when it comes to God. And Jonah then finds himself uh, running the opposite direction to the city of Joppa where he boards a boat. When he's on the boat, a terrible storm arises. They think that the boat is going to break in half. Everybody's freaking out. And eventually, uh, Jonah fesses up and he tells the sailors that they need to throw him overboard so that God would calm the storm and they wouldn't lose their lives. And so they do. They throw him overboard and Jonah sinks. And then he's swallowed by a fish. And it's in this rock-bottom place that Jonah prays this prayer of surrender. Verse 2, he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. And then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, you snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple those who worship false gods, they turn their back on all of God's mercies. But I will sacrifice to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. This is Jonah's prayer of surrender in his lowest of lows. And it leads us to a bottom line truth this weekend. That sometimes you have to sink to finally surrender. Isn't that true? If you've lived much life at all, that statement resonates. Because we know all too well that sometimes you have to hit rock bottom to finally look up. Sometimes you have to sink in order to finally surrender. And so our hope this weekend is that either something that we share from Jonah's prayer resonates at a deep level with you, with where you've been, or perhaps where you're at, or that perhaps uh, Jonah's story will save us from having to sink to the lowest of lows in order to finally surrender, because we don't have to wait to surrender our lives to Jesus and follow his way. So let's look at what we can uh, discover about this prayer of surrender. For Jonah, it began with a cry, a cry out to God. It says, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the inside of the fish, and he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. He says, I called to you from the land of the dead, and you heard from me. The very first part of a prayer of surrender always begins with a cry, a cry out to God. 
like a little baby that's, that's hungry or hurting and just crying for their mom. Like a child that's fallen on their bike and is just crying for dad to come pick them up. Like a mom crying out in the agony of pain for help at childbirth. Or like a man stranded on the ice with nobody around, just crying out. And this is where we find Jonah. At the bottom of the ocean, in the belly of a great fish, finally crying out to God. The story of Scripture is one of people crying out to God one after another from wherever they're at. Psalm 107 is this beautiful example of this, and we don't have time to go into it today, but I I encourage you to read it today or read it tonight before you lay your head on the pillow. And, and I love what the Life Application Study Bible says, it's, which is a great resource, by the way. They have it in the New Living Translation, which is what we use here at the chapel typically. It's a great resource, and there's study notes that help us uh, learn and, and grab a hold of some of the rich truth of Scripture. And it says this psalm speaks of four different types of people in distress and how God rescues them. Four different types of people that just in this psalm are mentioned that cry out to God. Maybe we find ourselves in one of these categories. He says there's the wanderers found in verses 4 through 9, or the prisoners found in verses 10 through 16, or the sick who are crying out to God in verses 17 to 20, and finally, and the storm-tossed, just like Jonah in verses 23 to 20. And he goes on to say, no matter how extreme our calamity God is able to break through to help us. He is loving and kind to those who are distressed. The prayer of surrender always begins with crying out to God. And crying out to God no matter what the circumstances. Jonah was in a place where he knew he was suffering the consequences of his own disobedience. He had not followed God's ways. And as a result, in part of his prayer, as he, as he calls out to God, he says, Oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. He was saying, God, I know that you've, you've pushed me here. You've cast me aside. Literally, the, the word is, you've driven me from your sight. God, you cannot see me. You won't look at me anymore. And yet, that's why it's so significant what he says next. He says, uh, but, but I will look to you. Once more, toward your holy temple. It reminds us that no matter what's happening, no matter how bad it's gotten, no matter if we're the culprit of our own demise, that we can always call out to God. It's as if Jonah's saying, God, I know that you won't look at me, but I'm going to look back towards you. It always begins with a cry. And in verse 7, he says, And as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. It's like Jonah had suffered a form of spiritual amnesia, a forgetfulness of who God is and how trustworthy he is, and that anything that God calls us to is for his glory, and it's even for our good in some way, shape, or form. But Jonah had forgotten all that, and he thought he knew better. And so when God called him to go one way, he just turned and went the other. 
And now he's sinking. And he's sinking fast. And he admits it as he cries out. He remembers the Lord. And it says, and my earnest prayer went out to you. An earnest prayer, not, not a fake prayer, not a, oh, just get me out of this this time and then I'll do this for you. There was something that was wrecked in his soul and he finally came to his senses and he cries out. Because sometimes you have to sink to finally surrender. So that's the way that Jonah's prayer of surrender begins. First, with a cry out to God, but secondly, with a confession. And there's really two parts to his confession. First and foremost, he confesses God's control, God's sovereignty. Look at what he says in verse 3. He says, you, th- you threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me, and I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. He's accrediting God to his current terrible circumstances. He knows that he's gone the wrong way, and he's suffering for that. And yet here he's declaring that God is the one that is ultimately in control. Jonah knows he's no longer in the driver's seat of his life. It's interesting in in verse 3 when he says, you threw me, you God threw me into the ocean depths, because that's not what happened, is it? You remember chapter 1 from last week? Uh, the, the storm hits, all the sailors are like, somebody's, somebody's done something wrong because God's bring, bringing this horrible storm on us and it's about to take our lives. And they say, who, who did something wrong? And finally it says, Jonah fesses up and he admits that he's disobeyed God, that he's gone the wrong direction. And Jonah says, the only way you're going to stop this storm is by throwing me over. And yet the, the sailors, they don't want to do it. They don't want to have to do that. And, and so it says they, they just worked all the harder to kind of hold things together. But eventually they realized that they were not in control. And it says that the sailors threw Jonah overboard. Isn't that interesting? Because here Jonah in his prayer to God says, God, you threw me overboard. So which is it? Or did, or did Jonah recognize that it was both? See, I, I think Jonah was admitting to God, was confessing that God was ultimately in control of all of his circumstances. That even though uh, the sailors were the ones that threw him overboard, he recognized that God was even in control of the sailors. And that God could use people in the process of doing his will. Why? To get Jonah's attention. Because sometimes you have to sink to finally surrender. And so Jonah is confessing, confessing God's control. And interestingly, he says, the mighty waters engulfed me. And he says, I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves, God. Why? Because he recognized that God was in control. In chapter 1, when when they say, who are you, Jonah? He says, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the one that made the, the skies and the seas. Jonah says, God, you're in control. And I'm sinking. And I'm sinking fast. He cries out to God and he confesses 
God's control, but not only that, he confesses his desperate circumstance. Look at verse 5. It says, I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. He took his last breath. And he says, seaweed wrapped itself around my head. It was like it was pulling him down to the utter depths of the earth. That's what he says in verse 6. He says, I sank down to the very roots of the mountain, the bottom of the bottom. And he says, and I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates lock shut forever. In other words, what Jonah was saying is, I am done. It's over. I'm dying. I'm imprisoned. I've been locked up at the bottom of the bottom, in the lowest of lows, and the gates, they lock shut forever, and I'm not escaping. He cries out to God, and then he confesses God's control and God's, the desperate circumstances that he is in. I love how Tim Keller puts it. He says, he realizes that he stands condemned and permanently barred for his sin and rebellion and that there's no possible way to open the gates himself or make good his debt. You know, the whole story of Jonah, there's this play on words that shows up chapter after chapter. It's all about this downward spiral, except it wasn't just a slippery spiral that he was accidentally going down. It was a chosen, disobedient pathway. Decision after decision, leading him further and further away from God's plan for his life and ultimately leading to destruction. In fact, it says, you know, when when God called Jonah, it says he went the other way and he went down to Joppa. And it was in Joppa that he got on a boat and he went down into the boat and was beneath the deck. And then the the sailors throw him overboard, and what happens now? He goes down into the ocean, and then what? A whale comes, a giant fish comes and swallows him, and he goes down into the belly of the whale. And I love what Peter Craigie says here. He says, but not until Jonah was all the way down, finally stripped of his own buoyant self-sufficiency, was deliverance finally possible. And some of us have to sink to finally surrender. To recognize that we have no buoyant self-sufficiency left. I don't know what your rock bottom has been in your life. I remember when I was 17 years old and I was a pretty good kid. Or at least I thought. And I had lived my whole life thinking that, hey, as long as I'm good, as long as the good outweighs the bad in my life, I'm okay with God and I'll make it to heaven one day. And at age 17, I started going to this little youth group. And for the first time, I started reading the Bible. What it really had to say, not just what I thought God thought or what I thought the Bible said, I started looking at it for myself, and I'll never forget when I was first confronted at age 17 with this verse from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. 
It says, it's by grace that we are saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not by works, not by what we do, so that anyone can boast about it. And that truth, along with my good friend's question to me, when he leaned over to me and said, Todd, you're saved, right? And in that moment, I sunk. I realized I didn't have a self-sufficient buoyancy to hold me up to God or to get me home to heaven someday. That it wasn't by the things that we do. That it's only by God's grace and through faith, faith in Jesus, that Jesus was good enough when I could never be. And I was wrecked. And I left youth group that day. And I went home and I went down into my my room in the basement. And I kneeled down on my knees. And I took that first step of surrender and I began crying out to God. And I just said, Jesus, please save me. Please save me. You're my only hope. And this is the place that Jonah comes to. In the belly of the whale, at the bottom of the ocean, crying out to God and confessing, confessing God's control over a situation, confessing the desperate circumstances that he finds himself in. And you and I all have to come to that kind of desperate place to finally surrender. It is the end of us, the end of ourselves, the end of us doing better, the end of us thinking we can make it right. And this is where Jonah comes. Because sometimes you have to sink to finally surrender. So Jonah's prayer of surrender begins with a cry. It moves to a confession. And then finally, he commits. He commits to following God and his ways again. And who we call out to, who we cry out to, who we confess to, who we commit to, makes all the difference. And that's why Jonah says what he says next. He lived in a land of false idols, and so do we. They just might not be statues. There are things like money or family or job or accomplishment. And whatever we commit our lives to will determine the pathway of our life. And so Jonah says in his prayer, he says, those who worship false gods, they turn their back on all of God's mercies. You know, there's that great passage in the Old Testament that says, his mercies are new every morning. And that's true if we're turning and committing to the God of mercy. That's what Jonah's saying here. He's saying we can turn to the wrong thing. We can call out to the wrong God. We can confess to the wrong things. We can commit to following the wrong way, the wrong idol in our life. And when we do, we will forfeit all of the mercy that God is waiting to lavish upon our lives. So it's not just about crying out and confessing. It's about who we cry out to. 
who we confess to, who we commit to following. And then Jonah turns the page. He says, though, though, though the people that worship false idols turn their back on all of God's mercy, he says, but I, I will offer my sacrifices to you. Remember, Jonah is praying this in the middle of the belly of a giant fish at the bottom of the ocean. And he's praying to God, crying out to God, confessing to God. And he says, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. God, even here in the belly of the well, while I'm at the bottom of the bottom, I am determined to worship you, to praise you, to offer you sacrifices. And he says, and I will fulfill my vows. I will do what you want me to do. I get it. I have Woken up, God. And then he finishes with this phrase, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. This is like an epicenter verse of the Bible. And Jonah exclaims it. There's nobody else that can rescue me. Salvation comes from the Lord and from the Lord alone alone. He's the one we cry out to. He's the one we confess to. He's the one that we commit our lives to. And how does this part of the chapter end? It says, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out and onto the beach. It's so interesting to me. He, he goes down to Joppa. He ends up in the bottom of the boat. He ends up in the bottom of the sea. He ends up in the bottom of the of the belly of the whale, and then he ends up on the beach. What a picture of God's pursuing grace. Remember I told you uh, about uh, my friend Jimmy earlier, the one that had wrecked his life, that had lost it all and was without any hope. Well, Jimmy shared more of his story with us. And today he's married and he's got three kids. And he's successful in his industry. But what's more than that? When he, when he came to that rock bottom moment, he too cried out to God, confessed his wrongdoing, and committed to following the Lord. And now the Lord is leading his life. And he's involved in our communities. And he was one of the ones that helped pull together this idea to do a Valentine's luncheon for widows in our community. And all he does now is follow God's way and try to, try to make an impact in other people's lives, showing God's love and God's grace. So I wonder, what is your next step? I'm going to invite our worship team to come. And we're going to close our service meditating on our own next steps and proclaiming truth together. But I wonder where you're at. What is, what is God calling us to surrender today? You know, it's possible that there's, there's someone here this weekend that you've never turned to Jesus. You've never truly cried out to him. Like, like me at age 17, maybe you, you just have been living thinking that as long as the good in your life outweighs the bad, that, that you'll make it. But now you realize that 
we can't hold ourselves up. We can't do it alone. And maybe you realize that today you need to cry out to Jesus to just say, like I did at 17, Jesus, please save me. Rescue my life. Or maybe you're here this weekend and you're, you're a follower of Jesus and your next step is to confess. Maybe there's, maybe like Jonah, you know, you know that God's called you to do something, but you've just been trying to go the opposite direction, ignoring it, avoiding it. And if that's you today, I want to challenge you. Cry out to Jesus and confess. Just say, I'm sorry. I know I've been ignoring you. I know I've been pushing you off. Or maybe there's something that you know that God is asking you to to give up, to surrender, and yet you're afraid or you want control or you just won't let go. And your next step is to confess that to him and cry out to him and surrender. Or maybe you're here today and and life life is good right now. You've seen God's grace his track record of mercy in your life. And you're at a place of just saying, you know what, I just need to commit, to commit to whatever it is that he wants me to do. If he wants me to go on a short-term mission to Mexico or to Burundi, I'll go, God. If it's, if it, if it's being courageous and sharing our faith with a friend or coworker, maybe it's, maybe it's having the courage this Monday when we go back to work and somebody asks you, hey, what did you do this weekend? It's having the courage to say, you know, I was at church. We've been learning about Jonah. And it reminded me that sometimes we have to ultimately sink to finally surrender to God. Let me tell you about when I surrendered for the first time. A life of surrender is not a weak life. It is the greatest life. It's the doorway to God's mercy and grace. And it begins by crying out, confessing, and committing. So as we sing this song, or as we listen to the words, it simply says, your grace finds me. So wherever you are, maybe you're at the bottom, maybe you're sinking fast, maybe you're just barely treading, God's grace will reach out to every single one of us where we're at. Let's use this song as our response to Jesus today.